there, and welcome to episode 10 of Scopophilia, the podcast. We are a millennial movie movement here to give you all the millennial perspective that you are so desperately needing in your life. And as always, I'm your host, Becky Teller, here to lead the movement into the future. And speaking of the future, I'm recording this now in my time, but by the time people actually hear it, it'll be Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. So first things first, happy Thanksgiving to all. I hope you had a wonderful day, Uh, no matter where you were or how you were able to spend it. I hope you were able to maybe video chat with some family or some close friends or chosen family, and I hope you just have an overall wonderful day. And additionally, it's Black Friday today when this airs, uh, so I hope you're getting some great deals out there too. As for this episode, I was thinking of which of the last couple movies I have in the docket for the rest of the season, and this one stuck out to me particularly because it was recorded last year on my Friendsgiving that I hosted at my apartment. So in the midst of recording this interview, which was November 2019, I was talking with my friend Dylan Pierce about his favorite film, Perks of Being a Wallflower, as well as cooking a turkey and basting every half an hour. So it was quite an interesting day, but one that I look back on with such fond memories, especially now that we are in a pandemic, it's harder to get together with people in the same kind of way that we are used to. So in thinking about which film I wanted to do today, this one stood out to me because, one, it was done right around Thanksgiving, and two, it talks a lot about mental illness and depression and coping with that as a person, and I think that's really important to note on during the holidays. It's always a really stressful and hard time for a lot of people, and then throwing this pandemic in on top of the normal holiday stress, it can seem like a lot, and so this episode seemed really important to me to put out now, uh, right as the holidays are starting, uh, just as a reminder to people to be kind to yourself and to take a deep breath. And if you are in a dark space or a space where you feel like nothing good can happen, this is a wake-up call. This is a sign from me to you that it's time to seek out help. It's time to call a friend. It's time to call your mom and have a conversation about how you're feeling and how you're doing. And so with that being said, without further ado, my interview with Dylan Pierce about his favorite film, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Enjoy. Can't because my current, see, the problem is my current Twitter handle is the Flyers record. And I have to keep changing it. Not for any real reason, but... (laughs) (laughs) it's the principle of the thing right if i change it now then how am i gonna know right (laughs) i can't just go on an app and find it no definitely not scopophilia is the newest thing to hit the market defined as deriving aesthetic pleasure from looking at something it's the new craze sweeping the nation taken in large doses side effects can include an addictive nature to have more film content If this increase occurs, consult no one and keep listening. Hey, 
Scopophiliacs, and welcome to another episode of Scopophilia, the podcast. Uh, I am your host, Becky, as always, and today I have with me Dylan the Sad Boy Pierce. Hello. <laughs> your chosen introduction for today. Can I be the, the scum boy for the sake of this? Uh, <laughs> the scum for the sa- Yeah. <laughs> I think it goes with the name of the podcast, doesn't it? Yeah, Scopophilia. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Dylan is a good friend of mine. We've known each other for a long time now. Uh, and I had said to him, Dylan, first of all, do you want to do the intro? Which you did. And it's great. (laughs) 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 And second of all, do you want to be on the podcast? Because I wasn't even sure that you would be interested in doing it. I love to be on a podcast. (laughs) I mean, why not? Why not a chance for me to just talk about me? Exactly. Why not? I love attention. <laughs> Feed me all the attention, please. Uh, yeah, so I had, you know, you said, yeah, sure. Like, still going to send it. Still going to send it. <laughs> uh, and I said, okay, well, what movie are you going to pick? And it was up for a lot of discussion within right. our friends. It was like Saving Private Ryan, some kind of military movie, Boondock Saints. Boondock Saints was a classic favorite. I mean, <laughs> that was one of, I don't know, I remember seeing that movie my freshman year. And, uh... I don't know. I resonated with the Irish side of things. So yeah. I was like, yes, please, let's do that. <laughs> um, what was another one? Fight Club was another well, one. Fight Club was another one. Also a classic. Absolute <laughs> favorite. Um, and then I went classic sad boy. Classic sad and boy. Perks of being a wallflower. Yes. Was classic sad. <laughs> I think, well, one, I think it took a decent amount of our friends by surprise. Yes. But it also makes a lot of sense for you because you have, you have two Perks of being wallflower tattoos, or is it one? I have one. You have one. I have one on my chest. It um, is an infinity symbol with the words "feel infinite," which yes. comes from one of the famous quotes in the movie "I Feel Infinite." Yeah. And uh, anyone who's watched that movie or read the book, I almost said seen the book, not seen the book, but read the book, <laughs> just seen um, it on the shelf, like <clears throat> yo, right? Yeah, just oh, I seen the book. <laughs> And, um, yeah, anyone who knows that quote, knows what understands, knows mm-hmm. that part of the plot, and mm-hmm. they know just what it means. Yeah. So, first of all, I mean, why why this movie? I want to say it was about mid-freshman year mm-hmm. when I had first read the book. And Charlie, who is the main character for the book, uh, it set place in his freshman year mm-hmm. and um i would say my freshman year not that i had a problem making friends like i i had friends but um there was a lot of i guess social anxiety brought with it like things that would or certain feelings that would keep me from trying or doing certain things mm-hmm. and um in the book with charlie it's his clinical depression that just keeps him from either trying to find friends or making friends or like just doing things that he wants to do and um so i was like it just lined up like i'm a freshman this kid charlie's a freshman um we're kind of feeling the same feelings um the movie came out what 2012 2013 i think it's 2012 2012 um which was two years after i graduated and um even up until then, it was still my favorite book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, they're making a movie out of this. Oh my <laughs> Lord, I got to go see this. Right. And um, and it was just perfect. Like, I loved the way they 
they did it in the film and lined up perfect with the book. Because, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes movies come out and you're like, yeah. man, that was nothing like the book. This yeah. is trash. You come in with an expectation. Right. It just doesn't and then quite... it just, nope. And it almost <laughs> ruins the book for you because like, man, this is this sucks. Mm-hmm. But uh, but no, they were perfect with it. And I was like, uh, and of course, um, the characters or the, the actors and actresses in it just, all of it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, they did a great job. I loved it. <laughs> so what is the, I mean, maybe a difficult question. But what's the shortest synopsis you can possibly give about this movie? Uh, so we talked about Charlie, mm-hmm. and um, who is going into his freshman year of high school. Yeah. Um, who, like I said, he, his clinical depression just keeps him from trying to make friends or doing things that he wants to do. Um Along the way, he'll he'll meet these two friends, Patrick and Sam. Who mm-hmm. uh, Sam is a girl who's uh, she is a senior. She's getting ready to graduate. Um, Patrick is her stepbrother, and uh, these two have their own group of friends that are just like like a bunch of misfits and weirdos and just like you know the anti cool kids. Yeah, and um, but he fits right in with them. Like he just they they take him in as one of his own. And um, the rest of the movie just follows him along his freshman year and the adventures that he goes on with these friends mm-hmm. and um, all these cool things that he gets to do and all these like new high school memories that he makes. Um, all at the same time, um, Charlie dreams of being a writer and he gets a lot of inspiration from his English teacher, Mr. Anderson, mm-hmm. um, played by Paul Rudd. Which is just so great. The, the <laughs> best man for the job. Um, of course, Sam... Uh, played by Emma Watson. Mm. Um, and like her first role after Harry Potter was over, really. Right. This was like her first serious role. <laughs> and um, what was more interesting was that she had to perfect taking on an, an English accent, like or, or an American accent. An American accent, American accent yeah. And, um, and that threw me off too. And I'm like, <laughs> well, she's talking normal, but it's not normal for her, of course. Right. And... Um, yeah, so the, the rest of the movie is just them following along with their own adventures and uh, Charlie being himself and accepting that it's okay for him to be himself. Like, whatever he's mm-hmm. feeling or thinking or doing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, toward, I, won't, I won't give the end of the movie for anyone who hasn't <laughs> seen it or read the book yet. But, um, yeah, beautiful ending. 10 out of 10 going to make you cry. Definitely. Definitely going to make you cry. Definitely. Um, if you weren't a sad boy prior, you might be a sad boy <laughs> after. So welcome uh, future sad people. Future sad boys. Right. Future sad boys, sad girls. Uh, yeah, I mean, and uh, one of the lines that isn't like the iconic line is uh, he says something like, um, I wish I could tell my parents that like I am happy, but I'm also sad. But I'm I'm figuring out how to be those two things at once. Right, and yeah, he's trying to figure out how that could be, and that is that goes along with him and this whole clinical depression battle. Because I mean, anyone who can resonate understands that you just you overthink everything. Yeah, even if like a little bit of a good part of a day, you're like, all right, uh, you're thinking, why am I happy right now? Like something's got to go wrong after this. Right, that because he'll talk about how it's getting bad again. Yeah. And that's, you know, him just like closing in on his own mind. But then there's, there's all these good things that happen to him. Like all these good memories, like, um, 
he'll go to this house party mm-hmm. and um get stoned for the first time. He, yeah, he uh, <laughs> where he mistakenly eats a pot brownie <laughs> and I uh, he. <laughs> I, I cannot remember the name of the person who gave him this brownie because they were at his house. Oh, Bob. Bob, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam was not happy with Bob because they're like, what did you do to Charlie? <laughs> Shut up! Oh, he can't even be mad at him. Look at him. Bob, did you get him stoned? Come on, Sam. He likes it. Just look at him. How do you feel, Charlie? I just really want a milkshake. <laughs> and, um... He's happy because he's doing all these things that he's finally feeling comfortable with, but mm-hmm. he's he's sad because he can't help but feel sad. Yeah. And he doesn't really know how like this is almost a newfound feeling. Like he doesn't know how to identify it or explain it. Yeah. And um his parents who are just two normal middle class parents who might not understand. Mm-hmm. So of course Charlie's trying to explain that. He doesn't know how to. And any wish he could. Yeah. Well done. Hey. <laughs> I, I hope someone got anything from that. I mean, I, I really do. Uh, no, I mean, I think that's a pretty good idea. And I think this movie, especially now coming into an age of like where mental illness is such, is a, is a more yes. easy topic to talk about and a little bit more mainstream. And it's amazing because, I mean, now compared to, I'm trying to think of, when the book even first came out, but I read it my freshman year, which was 2006, 2007. Um, the movie came out in 2012, so almost six or five or six years later. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the talk of mental health and depression, like it was a thing, but it wasn't like a, a well-known thing. Like you had hotlines, but they weren't like broadcasted like they are now. Yeah. Um, I mean, you see billboards and posters and mm-hmm. commercials for like Suicide Hotline and yeah. all these other resources, and you didn't see that in 06, 07, no. or 2012. Well, and celebrities too, on top of it, being like, "Yeah, I've I had depression, and I, it's hard," right? And, and like, really, actually, like coming out and actually saying it, right? Which, which is crazy, <laughs> amazing. I think, um, oh my god, I think if that movie were to come out now, it might have even better been a bigger success. Mm. If it came out in 2019, then it did in 2012. Because it just goes along with the talk that we're already having. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, all these celebrities who are coming out now and wanting to talk about you know their own experiences. Um, Halsey is a great example. Lady Gaga is a great example. Yeah. Which is having the biggest impact on their fans saying, hey, it's okay for me to talk about this too. Mm-hmm. And uh, people who... Like me, who read the book in 06, who who read it and understood it and accepted being okay with with who I was and relating myself to the characters in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't want to talk about it just yet because right. you didn't know if it was normal or not. Or, I don't know, you think, oh, I could go to a guidance counselor, but, like, are they really going to understand? Like, they're right. an adult. I'm a kid. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, I think it's a lot bigger of a deal now. Um, I would even recommend. I mean, if you, I'm always going to recommend if you haven't read it or seen it, go do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you're listening and you're resonating with those same kind of feelings, mm-hmm. go read it. I think you'll. Uh, I think <laughs> you're just going to love it. That's yeah. all I can really say. You're gonna. <laughs> you're gonna find something in it 
um, that you can really take out of it. And um, uh, it's almost uh, its own comfort zone, if you will. Yeah. Well, and I think, like, I mean, I remember when I was in high school, like, dealing with a bad time. I didn't necessarily want to go to teachers or adults or even my parents. Um, But there is kind of a theme in this film of, you know, it's great to have supportive parents and it's great to have parents who understand you. But sometimes you just need a friend. Right. And I think that's a big theme with Charlie of, like, his parents know all of the, the shit that he's been through, basically. Right. But sometimes he just needs to, like have a couple of friends who forget that for a little bit. Yeah. And, and it's just even treat better. him like a normal kid. Like, uh, Charlie has an older sister, Candace. Mm-hmm. She is also in high school. I think she's either a junior or a senior. I in think this she's book, a senior. Who, um, she, but she's not really around Charlie. She's out like partying with her friends. Yeah. And, like she's, um, I guess almost considered one of the cool kids also. Cause she's just always doing something on the weekends. Never right. really around the house. And, um, where Charlie, who was already finding trouble fitting in, um, had these group of friends, or like Patrick and Sam, who he didn't have to force himself in there. Like they welcomed him, they mm-hmm. brought him in. They said, "Hey, you know, we think you're great, flaws or or whatever, right. and we love you anyway, and we want you to be a part of us." And um, that was the best part of it, because me as a freshman. I had all these different groups of friends that I would talk to. Like I had, um, I had my at home friends. Like I had Bill, Sean, Jesse, yeah, who um, who I was just starting to get to know. Um, my RTC friends. I had my my cross country and my track friends. Uh, I had my my firehouse friends. Um, all these different groups of friends, but I didn't know, or I guess I didn't really understand exactly where I belonged. Mm-hmm. Until uh, later on in life. <laughs> These kids, I mean, especially now, because I, I got a, a little brother, mm-hmm. Michael, who's 15, going on 16. He's a sophomore now. Oh, my gosh, really? Yeah. <laughs> he is a sophomore. Oh, geez. Because um, I remember him when he was like a real little kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> a little kid, like running around the, the house, half naked or full naked. <laughs> and... um probably trying to punch one of my friends i don't know <laughs> and now he's uh he just played his his first season of of varsity football whoa he uh he'll be back next year going full on varsity um and it, it's just it's wild and um what's cool about that is i'm monitoring this so much closer mm-hmm. because I want to know what, not just that I want to know what he's going through, but I want to know how he's adapting to what he's going through. Yeah. Um, we've sat down and uh, we've tried to talk about everything. I mean, we'll talk about relationships. We'll talk about friends. Um, we'll talk about, uh, I mean, really just anything you can imagine, any kind of small talk yeah. to where um, to where I can get an understanding if... Um, if he's happy with what he's doing, if he's sad with what he's doing, which I try to tell me the way is okay. Like yeah. you don't have to be happy all the time. You don't have mm-hmm. to be sad all the time. It, I don't know, just try to get him to open up to whatever he's feeling and um, trying to get him to understand 
how he's feeling because like Charlie, he has a a not great way of explaining it or expressing it because he right. doesn't know how to. Can't really put it into words. Mm-hmm. And um and that's what I try to do with Michael is just to give him a way to explain it. That's nice. Sad boy mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Sad boy mentor. <laughs> to the junior sad boy. Yeah. 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 Um trying to think actually the first wrote a note was sad boy opener for this movie because he's because in the beginning of the movie he's writing to friend um and it's like you know i just want to kind of put all my all my thoughts into something right that doesn't necessarily go to anyone but it's yeah. there um it's kind of an outlet but you can you, um, you can kind of immediately get this like oh he's sad boy yeah like real quick dear friend I am writing to you because she said you listen and understand and didn't try to sleep with that person at that party even though you could have. Please don't try to figure out who I am. I don't want you to do that. I just need to know that people like you exist. Like if you met me, you wouldn't think I was the weird kid who spent time in the hospital. And I wouldn't make you nervous. I hope it's okay for me to think that. I kind of forget see, I that, because uh, the movie doesn't exploit that as much, but in, um, in a book, you'll see a lot of it. You'll see um, a lot of his entries to Friend, who, mm-hmm. um, Friend is always nameless. It's just Friend. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not him writing to anyone in particular. It's just him writing. Yeah. And, um, putting out these feelings and um i could have this wrong i could be uh misquoting this but i do believe this idea of him writing to friend came from mr anderson i want to say it was him that kind of gave me the idea to do this but um at the same time i could have that horribly blotched so you know (laughs) if you're listening and you're like that is not how it goes you (laughs) fake you fraud of all I'm comment sorry. Down below. <laughs> yeah, comment down below and like let me know how you really feel. <laughs> um, what was uh, what was your favorite subject in high school? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> the ones I paid attention to. Um, <laughs> man, so I would be a little more biased because I mean, technically, ROTC was a subject because mm-hmm. you had classes for it, right? And um. That was more so my favorite because it, it got into a lot of like military history mm-hmm. and um, it talked a lot of world history and those were my kind of things. Yeah. And uh, which tied into the regular world history and other history classes that I would take in high school. Um, but most, if I had to pick one, would definitely be English because of the teacher I had. Oh. Uh, Mr. Cardi, who uh, was my English teacher as a freshman and a senior, um, he was the one who put me on to a series of of great books. Um, oh, like what? <laughs> uh, Dante's Inferno mm-hmm. was one of them. And uh, I love that book. I love the, the concept of um, just different. Mm-hmm. layers or levels of hell and uh how each one of them is different or yeah. tailored to a different deadly sin mm-hmm. and um 
it just puts such a twist. It just made sense. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like there's no way hell is this unorganized zoo that you're just like, <laughs> oh, you did something wrong. All right, we're just going to toss Put you, you over here. There. Right. <laughs> um, I think uh, Satan might be a little more organized <laughs> and he might, you know, try to switch things up. Yeah. I mean, if if the stories are to be believed, he was like a rebel leader. So I'm hoping it's a little more organized right. down there. <laughs> you put the word leader in there. So I'm like, right. all right, well, I, I think he knows a thing or two. You yeah, know? you would think. <laughs> So uh, that was always a great one. Um, uh, the Odyssey was another one. I think mm. that was my summer reading project, but going into freshman year, and uh, I did like that a lot. Um, Damn, another these one. are some classics. Yeah, I mean, old school <laughs> classics. Um, I will say I never read The Great Gatsby. Oh, I never read that. I never read. Um, hang on. Give me a second here. <laughs> yep. Nope. What's oh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Oh, no, I didn't read that one. I feel like um, literally anyone ha- that has gone to high school has read that at least once, but I was just <laughs> never, I always felt like the outsider for never reading it. Right. Um, yeah, I was forced to read Great Gatsby. It was really bad. <laughs> it was like I had, I was forced to read Great Gatsby 1984, Lord of the Flies, and oh, yeah. like a couple other ones. And every time it was such a drag. And like now going back, like after like doing the college thing or whatever, I can go back and be like, okay, yeah, this is a good book. <laughs> you don't want to say that bad. Yeah. At the time, it's like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I got to force to do this. Yeah. Man, it sucks. Um, I remember, I think it was my junior year. There was a, another teacher, Mr. Manlove, who I didn't have as a, teacher um i'm sorry not mr man love mr mancini who again i didn't have him but i noticed that he was uh using perks of being a wallflower as one of his like mid-year reads oh. and um i don't know i just saw the book on his desk one day and i was like oh my god i love this book <laughs> please let's talk right now <laughs> and uh we sat down for like a good hour just going back and forth about it and uh uh, Mr. Cardi, he was just one that his whole demeanor was like, I don't know, like a true professional. Yeah. Um, he was just a, like a really down to earth person, and um, you know, he didn't really take any slack from anyone, and he's always uh quick with the one liners. He was almost like uh, he had a very John Mulaney vibe to him like all, smarts right yeah all these like all these uh i don't even know how to describe it just his demeanor with like the comebacks at people and uh, just like witty smart yeah right yeah and um our class was too stupid to like <laughs> appreciate these witty uh comebacks yeah and uh like you had to have some level of intelligence to like kind of laugh at what he's saying mm-hmm. and uh our class didn't i didn't <laughs> um yeah, having him freshman and senior year um, definitely left a better impression of you know, having an English class at all or just, just being in school. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be at school, but I liked being in school when I had to go to that class. Yeah. And um, which 
was kind of a small, not a big reason, but a small reason. Um, one more small reason to why I liked Perks so much mm-hmm. because of Charlie getting so much imp- inspiration from his English teacher. Yeah. And um, because uh, in the book, and you'll see it in the movie, um, Charlie, Mr. Anderson will give Charlie a book to uh, to read, do a report on, and um, he'll have it done like that. Yeah. And he'll come back with his book and this report and just be like, give me another one. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Anderson is just dishing out these books left and right. And um, I think he realizes just how much, um, just how much talent, how much potential Charlie has. At the end of the movie or at the end of the book, um, Mr. Anderson is moving on to another school. Mm. He, uh, he took a position somewhere else so that him and his wife could, you know, have more time together and um which has a huge impact on charlie right I mean, he's like oh my god my favorite teacher the reason i even want to come to the school is leaving mm-hmm. and um along with the fact that sam and patrick are graduating seniors so they are also leaving right. so that that kind of puts charlie in the spot to where like all right well this kind of sucks now yeah and um you'll see uh how much of an impact Again, the, Mr. Anderson and these friends, how much of an impact they have on Charlie's whole life. What else was I going to say? It had to do with Mr. Anderson. I don't know. Go ahead. Next. Sad boy mama. So, yeah. Just, <laughs> we're just so heavy in the sad now. Yeah. Well, I, it's so interesting. because So I was watching it last night because it had been a while since I had watched it or read the book. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had to do the same just to make sure I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> I mean, man, I should really like rehearse this. Yeah. Um, well, well, and one of the things that I had kind of thought about when rewatching the movie was, I think there's kind of this thought with quote unquote teen movies that they have to be like light and airy and yeah. rom com and, you know, all this other stuff. And then there's a select like handful of teen movies that deal with like the real issues. Yes. And for a second, you almost think like, wow, like Perks is really going deep in how many issues I can cram into one story. But that's kind of real in a sense, because that is something that happens. All of those things happen in high school. Maybe not necessarily the same group of people, but it's there. But they're real. Yeah. They're still still a thing and they're things to not take lightly at all. Yeah. I mean, like the happiest people you've ever known, like cracking the most jokes, laughing Mm -hmm. the loudest, who... Deep inside, you know, they might be hurting a little bit. Yeah. Um, and they don't, they don't talk about it to the point where, like, so many cases that something has happened, like someone has taken their own life or passed away, and you're just like, how could that be? Like, I don't understand. Like, mm-hmm. there were no signs. He was, he was never sad, or he never showed it, or. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know he felt this way. And it kind of sucks because you're helpless at that point. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you can spit out a thousand what-ifs and it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And what matters now is that people are opening up. Yeah. And goes back to what you're talking about, all these celebrities who are also opening up and... It's becoming such a big deal. You see all these billboards, like 
all these hotlines popping up, all these resources popping up. Mm-hmm. Um, that are just like, hey, like, please, please yeah. come to us. And when you're not alone in feeling right. this way, right? Even exactly. though sometimes it feels like you're the only person, and you just don't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. But um, you have to start the conversation to get anywhere. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's like any other subject, and it, it's it's like anything else. Um, I don't know, you're trying to gain more knowledge about I don't know carpentry, <laughs> carpentry, <laughs> and uh. <laughs> And you don't you don't know a thing about carpentry. Like, yeah. all right, so for instance, you have you're getting new carpet, mm-hmm. right? And you don't know how to do that. Yeah, you, you've never you just don't know. Yeah, she's like, man, like I really wish I knew how to strip <laughs> up this carpet and like install my own <laughs> stuff. But you start the conversation. You're like, all right, well, step one, I need to know what tools I need, what resources I need. Yeah. And um, one thing leads to another. And look at that. You did it yourself. You put it in your own <laughs> carpet. You did it. You, you went out, you got help, and you accomplished something. Thank you. <laughs> and we are so proud of you for this new carpet. And it's beautiful. The best carpet you've ever seen. And you're like, man, it looks like a professional did this. Right. And um, <laughs> I say that to say that these talks of depression are the same thing. Like mm-hmm. you, you don't know until you start the conversation exactly. and it's, it's nothing that is out of your control. It's nothing that's out of your league. Um, it's nothing that's out of your skill set. You just need to start it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, even at the end of the movie without too many spoilers, Charlie does start going to therapy. Right. I mean, and, um, and you can kind of see that there's definitely a change in his mentality and the note I wrote was the power of therapy. Because, <laughs> I mean, there is something to be said about just spewing your guts out to somebody. Yeah. And, you know, back and then having that person who, you know, is, is a trained professional to be like, other people feel that way, too. And sometimes when we do this, we have to, you know, think about these things. Right. And how does that make you feel? And things like that. I think, um, I think not enough credit goes to these therapists and psychologists and uh all these other professionals i think um you bring it up and you just immediately kind of stereotype it yeah and you're like oh it's just like some guy with these round glasses and this leather chair (laughs) and he's got a nice office yeah tweed jacket right you're gonna you're gonna talk to him for an hour and then you're gonna go home and be depressed while he drives around in his audi and then goes home to his wife Mm -hmm. and um but it's not the case no the case is that these people have done study after study after study of like all these different cases and all these different people. And then they've gone out and actually talked to and discussed different people or mm-hmm. conversed with different people. They've discovered all these different feelings and different ways of how people feel and what triggers that and mm-hmm. where it leads. And um, to the point where if they can't figure it out on their own, like if they're talking to you and they don't quite have their own solution, they have resources. Oh yeah. A lot of, lot of resources. And, uh, to where they're going to figure something out, kind of have to trust the process and just, and trust yourself. And some people go to these, these therapists, not even looking for a solution. They just want someone to 
they just want an outlet. Yeah. They just want someone to talk to. And um, I don't know, it's so, so, so important because you can, you can have like a great support group, like your own friends or whatever. Like you can sit down with them and, and talk out your feelings and have these heart to hearts. Um, at the same time, you, you kind of have to understand that your friends have their own adult lives too. Yeah. And, um, and as much as they would love to always be there for you, they can't always be there for you. Mm -hmm. Not that they don't want to, but they, they have their own lives. Mm -hmm. Whereas these therapists, they, their whole career revolves around being there for you. Yeah. They'll set a time for you. You can set these schedules. You can tailor it to whatever day, whatever hour, whatever your need is. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, it's literally just an outlet that's tailored for you. And it's it's really something to take advantage of. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well put, Dylan. Thank you. Thank I got to say, like, you're such an interesting person. <laughs> because, <laughs> and, and because because from the outside, I think <coughs> you have this persona of, like, bro. Like, I mean, even right now, you've got the Eagles jersey. You've got the... Oh, yeah. We've got the all-white Vans. All-white Vans. I got my send it Snapback. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> Oh yeah, it's it's amazing. Like um, you, you, you give off the appearance of like bro, bro through and through. Oh yeah, and then you sit down and you start you start talking. <laughs> I think, and wow, you're this like, guy's actually kind of like <laughs> not retarded. Like this is amazing. <laughs> no, you have you know you have deep feelings and you. This guy does more than just like drink and go exactly. to concerts. What the hell? <laughs> That's true. You go to more concerts <laughs> than anybody I know. What are you at? Like 22 um, for the year? <laughs> so I'm going to a concert tomorrow night. <laughs> um, of course you are. That will be 22 for the year. Jesus. Um, a possible 23rd by the end of the year, but we don't know yet. We don't have tickets yet. <laughs> so then uh, we have at least five lined up for 2020. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Um you know, I go to work, and then I use that money for concerts <laughs> and Flyers games and whatever else. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny because, like, I do have this whole, like, send it vibe. Like, yeah. Like, whatever is in my head, I just want to go do it. Yeah. And um, I'm always one for a good time. I love going out. I love hanging with people, drinking, going to games, whatever. And then... um. And then there's times where, like, I get to sit down and just, like, talk and converse and yeah. and um, figure out that I can put more than five sentences together. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's amazing. It's more amazing when when people realize that. Yeah. When people are like, wow, this, this guy can actually, like, think a little. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, and, like, I've known you for, you know, seven-ish years now. Yeah, and I mean, how long have you been Sean me dating? Seven years. Seven years, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, right yeah, so about seven years. Um, and like even now, like, what's your favorite subject? And you were like ROTC and I don't know English. I really like Dante's Inferno. It's like what? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like I know that you like you can't read. Right? <laughs> I did not. Are say you that. kidding? <laughs> well, like I knew you liked Perks Being a Wallflower, <sighs> and there's a couple other books that like I know that you're like looking for Alaska. I know you're super into by John Green. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I never would have thought of you as like a classic, classic books fan. Um, 
Yes. Just but, looking at you for those sad boy books. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anything sad, I'll, I'll point you in the right direction. <laughs> uh, the classics, I, very loosely, just because I only know the ones that I've read in high school. Right. Like, uh, like Glory of Flies. Like, pretty much the ones that you were supposed to read. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, crap, what was the one? There was one I read in junior year where there was, like, all these different... I was about to, like, say something really vague and be like, oh, there's all these different characters. Well, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Canterbury Tales? That's it. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> say the work. Say... <laughs> Oh man, I'm glad that worked. <laughs> that was a shot in the dark. That, that was, was really open. That was awesome. <laughs> wow, we're never gonna get that again. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, that was it. Um, that was a classic. That was um, not a favorite, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Because we did a project where we had to pick one of the characters and like, um, do some report on it. You could do literally whatever you wanted. Um, I was the friar. Um who's just this this old kind of pervy dude who just who drinks too much he's right. a bit of a perv and, and uh, I was like you gave this to me on purpose didn't you <laughs> I'm like you're kind of a dick for this so I was like perfect and then uh, I got to make a video like showing like the life and times of a fryer <laughs> and um, I was like alright well I could go full blown with this but I gotta remember I'm still I'm still a junior. And right. I present this to a class of juniors. And I'm like, mm. all right, I can't go too far on with this yeah. or else I might get expelled. <laughs> I'm trying to like think of the other books that I read in high school that were classics like that. Um, I mentioned the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I mentioned, uh, of course, Lord of Flies again. Yeah. Um, Do you have to read Animal Farm? That wasn't one of the ones on my curriculum. That was, oh, oh, hold on. Going yeah. back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the five people you meet in heaven. Okay. That was another one. That was, um, well, it's not really a classic like that, but it was another high school favorite. Hmm. Um, Mitch Album wrote that. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who knows Tuesdays with Maury, he's the guy oh, who, wrote, okay. who wrote that. Um, that was a movie later on. Um, I actually never watched that movie. I only ever read the book. Tuesdays with Maury was, well, actually, I, I read that one in high school too. That was a great one just because Maury is uh i'm trying to like think of the whole synopsis of that now but <laughs> a very loose synopsis is that there's a guy who maury is someone like this guy looks up to a lot and uh maury comes down with a huge sickness and um vows that every tuesday from like from this point on that he would go to, to visit him and uh they would talk about a different subject different life subject whether it be finances relationships mm-hmm. failures whatever and um and he spends all this time with like he's pretty much his hero up until he he passes and um that was a very heavy book that i read and um another one that i recommend for the, for the <laughs> sad ones out there um let me ask you have you ever read the book um it's kind of a funny story by yes ned Bazzini? um I'll take that back because I only got halfway through the book. I watched the movie and what I was kind of mad at myself for was watching the movie before I read the book Mm -hmm. because I love reading the book before the movie. I think it's, I think it's crucial that, (laughs) that I do that, that other people do that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I have watched the movie. Loved it. Yeah. And uh, it was after the fact that someone told me that it was a book in the first place. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> um, I started to read it. I already got halfway through. got sidetracked. Never mm-hmm. went back to it. Life. Yeah, yeah. Life. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking a lot about that movie and film with when watching Perks. Because it has kind of that similar feeling of like being a high schooler and not really knowing how to cope with life and how you feel about life. Right. And there's this kind of suicide-esque aspect of things. Right. Because it starts off with him checking himself into the hospital. Oh, it's so good. And um, really almost the same vibe to where he... Well, they didn't have any room in the minor side to the hospital, yeah. so he checked them into the adult side. And um, but he kind of finds his way in there too. Like there's all these different people. Yeah. Um. Well, and learns to cope while watching other people learn to cope. Right. And they kind of bring him in, and they uh, who Zach uh, Galifianakis. Yep. <laughs> I wasn't gonna try to attempt it because I knew I was gonna botch it. Um. What, that's like his main guy while he's in the hospital, right? Yeah. And um, watching him trying to come up or cope with his own feelings mm-hmm. um, until the one scene where he just completely loses it. Yeah. Um, that was a very sad moment. Yeah. And um, Emma Roberts, right? Yeah. Who uh, is his, I guess, love interest yeah. in, the, in the film. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching that. And I think I did the same thing, honestly. Compared it to Perks and just the vibe it gave with mm-hmm. the whole depression talk, the whole trying to fit in talk, the whole trying to cope with certain things talk. Yeah. And uh, yeah, great, great movie. Yeah. And um, I'm glad you brought that up because I probably have to go back and finish the book yeah. now. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. I'll, I'll it's put it on so my list. so good. Um, so going back to the movie, I'm going to consult my notes. <laughs> oh, Sam. <clears throat> Sam is a character. Are you familiar with the term Manic Pixie Dream Girl? Uh, <laughs> not familiar with that term, but um, I can definitely understand where that's going. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Well, so Manic Pixie Dream Girl is is essentially what you would call um, like Zoe Deschanel in 500 Days of Summer. Like she's kind of got her own thing going. She's a little bit out there. She's a little bit eccentric. Very free-spirited. Very free-spirited. Um <clears throat> But she's she's she basically has the expectation throughout the movie yes. from Joseph Gordon-Levitt that she's gonna like solve all of his problems almost and like yes. make him a better person. Right. And that's not necessarily the case with anybody. That's a lot of stress to put on one person. Um, but I was trying to think because initially I feel like when Sam comes into the story, she automatically is given this persona of like, oh, she's going to be a manic pixie dream girl. She's yeah. kind of strange. She's kind of eccentric. But she's kind of not. Right. Like, she is those things, but she doesn't necessarily come in to, like, fix his life. Or he doesn't think of her as, like, she's the one who's going to fix everything. Right. Um, you're absolutely right. Because in the beginning, um, in, in the movie, they meet first at the football game. Yeah. And uh, that's your grand introduction. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, my God, there's Emma Watson finally. Right. <laughs> and um, It only took us 15 minutes to get here. <laughs> right. Like, this is the worst movie ever. Okay, never mind. <laughs> and, uh, right, so she, so I'll fast forward to where they're at the house party. 
Mm. And uh, he eats the brownie. <laughs> Later on, um, at, at this point, there's no really opening of Charlie to these people. He's just kind of like fitting himself in wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, until he he eats that brownie. I believe they're in the kitchen next. And that's when he oh yeah confesses that his best friend killed himself before. Yeah. Like very bluntly too. Right. Just like. Because the pot is like no filter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you just. If you've ever been high before you know that you just blurt things yeah. i mean higher drunk not sober no you're just gonna blurt this stuff and that's essentially what charlie did he's like oh yeah by the way yeah my friend killed himself and sam was you know the, of course there for him consoled him mm-hmm. um made him a milkshake <laughs> um and then from there it's not as spelled out in the movie as it is in the book but in the book you'll notice that like Charlie kind of writes about like his interests for Sam. Mm-hmm. Like he really starts to like get a little attached. I don't think in the book that Charlie expected Sam to like to fix his problems for him. Mm-hmm. But he definitely found he felt a little lighter when he was around her. Yeah. Sam gives Charlie a typewriter. Yeah. Before she passes on. Passes on, <laughs> not away, just on. <clears throat> um, you mean when she goes to visit her dad, or when? Um, when she? Oh yeah, I think it was. Was it before the Christmas break? Well, yeah. So they have the <clears throat> Secret Santa before Christmas break, where she gives him the typewriter. That's when he has the suit. Yes. Um, so all these things are coming back now. <laughs> um, he has this grand suit, and he looks fly with it. Superfly. And superfly. And um, <laughs> it's almost like a Mr. Anderson kind of suit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, you're right. And then the, this typewriter was like the final touch. You're like, well, now you look like a writer, but you need the tool for it. Yeah. So then Sam gives him the the typewriter. Right about us. And um, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's, what he, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. And they have this whole confession of like, not confession, but Sam kind of opens up a little bit about her past and yeah. past trauma. And um, I mean, it was a sexual experience, but not, not one that she favored. Yeah. and um, Or asked for or wanted. Or, right, exactly. Yeah. And um, you see them kind of like open up more to each other towards the end after Sam graduates and goes to move on. Um, Charlie is pretty you know, visibly upset about that. Yeah. Um. But no, I, I, other than outside of those moments, um, I don't think Charlie ever expected her to fix stuff for him. He just, like I said, felt lighter around her. Around her. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that you brought that up as well because <laughs> that also ties into opening up about different stuff and 500 Days of Summer. <laughs> um, Joseph Gordon Lovett. Love him. Love him. He's expecting his problems to be figured out for him. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> that is also a major issue in our world to where people, they fall into these relationships expecting just that. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are like, who are kind of broken want their pieces back together, but don't know how to do it themselves. 
and which is okay, but you can't expect someone else to do it for you. Right. Um, huge case in point was um, Ariana Grande and Mac Miller. Yeah. When when Mac passed away, people came heavy on Ariana saying it was your fault you left him mm. um that's not right leaving all these like hate messages and almost I think a few death threats just like like really coming down on her and that was a big thing like Ariana left because of it was partly due to Mac's substance abuse problem right and um which she did try to help him, but he he almost couldn't really be helped, or at least not by her. Like, yeah. It took much more. Well, and you can't help people who won't help themselves as right. well. And um, it, granted, I don't know how much Mac really tried to help himself if he talked to anyone, if he mm-hmm. found a resource, but it um, <clears throat> from the outside looking in, it wasn't going anywhere. And Ariana had to distance herself from that right um and it, it, of course like we know it wasn't her fault mm-hmm. and that's what came from the opposite end like all these people who were blaming her were matched with people who were like look it wasn't her fault yeah like you cannot expect that it is yeah. way too toxic oh yeah well and the thought that like somehow she was gonna fix him right just because like she's not gonna what's she gonna do you're <laughs> like Take all the drugs, like flush them away. Like yeah. it's gonna be magic, just like that. Yeah, it doesn't because go- he doesn't have money of his own to go get more. It does not work like that. No. So yeah, that's that's a huge thing, and you see it all the time now. You see it all over, mm. and um, just another another case where people don't know how to open up about it. <coughs> Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not quite recovered from yesterday still. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Dylan ran a half marathon yesterday in the cold. Um, Two out of ten. <laughs> Would not do again. <laughs> not like that. Not in that cold. <laughs> I mean, I would do another run, but oh my gosh, better weather next time, please. <laughs> yeah, get on that run, people. Marathon people. God. I mean, I think you bring up a great point, and... Um, and actually, Nicole had brought this up, too, in her podcast of, like, I think there's an expectation that people have in relationships of, like, this is going to solve my problem. I'm going to be happy now. And that's so much stress to put on <clears throat> one person. Right. Of, like, you know, oh, you're going to be the one that saves me. You're, you know, you're the reason that I'm doing okay now. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> like, you need to calm down, take a step back. I think, um... Um, one I think person. you're doing much more, much more harm than good for more than the reason of like you can't expect the other person to figure it out. But yeah. also the fact that there might come a time where that relationship it's not really working out from the start, but now <laughs> it's really not working out, and you two separate, mm-hmm. and now that thing that you thought was keeping you up and alive. Is no longer there. Right. And now it's like, what now? Yeah. What now? And now you're like, jump right back to the sad boy. Yeah. And um, <laughs> to the solo sad boy. Solo sad boy. And um, yeah, I think it's 
it's just that much more detrimental to to your own mental health. Yeah. And, well, uh, and it's one thing to ask for like support from your partner as oh, yeah, like an course. equal, but it's something very different to I don't know have an expectation of how they right. should affect you. <laughs> you're not you're not here to make it mandatory, right? Like <laughs> you're here just as uh, I support like you would support anyone else. Yeah, like you would just support a friend or a family member. Just um, you know, casual. I'm here for you. Yeah. And uh, of course, when it's a significant other, you're you're naturally going to want to go the extra mile for them. Mm-hmm. And um, but when it's like, hey, you're not really doing this for me. Like, why not? What the fuck? Or sorry. Yeah, it's fine. What the bleep? <laughs> and um, then it's like, all right, now we got a problem. Yeah. When it's expected, when you're making it mandatory, mm-hmm. when you're getting upset at them for not being there for you, well. Mm-hmm. Now it's just plain toxic. Yeah. That's not going to work. Well, and you had mentioned the, um, you know, I feel infinite quote, which is, I think, one of the big ones. But I think the other big <coughs> one is, um, you know, we we accept the love that we deserve. Yes. Which hit me last night in a way <laughs> that I didn't expect it to. Of like, because I I completely forgotten that that was like a major um, quote. Number one, beautiful segue. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Number two, yes, yeah, so that is a little bit after Sam starts opening up to Charlie about past relationships, past uh, lovers, and um, Charlie doesn't quite understand like why Sam's letting people treat her like that. Yeah. And, and he's like, he's like, I don't get it. Like, you're this beautiful, free-spirited girl who, in Charlie's eyes, he would give her the world if he could yeah and um and these people who sam is actually involving herself with aren't doing that mm-hmm. so charlie's like he doesn't understand and he goes to mr anderson one day asks him like why is that yeah why is he explains the situation and asks why is sam letting this happen mm-hmm. insert mr <laughs> anderson's beautiful knowledgeable quote <laughs> um we accept the love we think we deserve. Mm. And I, that hit me as soon as I read it. I was like, crap. <laughs> You're right. Um, it hit me a little bit as a... I'm going to say it hit me a little bit as a freshman because even then I didn't really understand it too much. Yeah. Um, I think I was in like two career relationships at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and... um. But when I had finally watched the movie, mm-hmm. six years later, um, a couple of relationships later. Yeah. And uh, and then I was reintroduced to that quote, and I was like, crap. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't really need to be attacked like this, but all right, yeah. thanks. <laughs> I didn't need you to come for me. Just <clears throat> yeah, at like, me next time. Yeah, just like, <laughs> like, like, this is like straight to the heart. Yeah. And uh and it's true. Yeah. Like some people don't, I don't know, some people just don't really understand their own self-worth or they think their own self-worth isn't really high. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think we've all met that one person that, that we thought was kind of out of our league and we're like, ah, man, like there's no way. Mm-hmm. And um, so what do we 
go for that person. We're like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> but then we might settle for someone who, or really might settle for someone who we think is perfect. Mm-hmm. And then later on down the road, like things start to happen. You're like, I, I guess you just choose to accept it. Like, like toxic things and mm-hmm. very manipulative people who some people tell themselves, well, well, they love me. Yeah. Or this is love. Mm-hmm. Like this is their interpretation of love, and um, <clears throat> it, it's it's weird and it's not really something that I can put into words because there's so many different cases of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, exactly that. Like, we think we don't really deserve much more than than what we're already getting. Right. Or maybe it's a series of relationships that have kind of ended the same way and you're like well this must be all i'm really good for right oh have you ever done something to like impress a new group of friends oh absolutely (laughs) um just to look cool what did i do what haven't i done (laughs) most of it revolves around alcohol Mm. and that's part of the reason why i can't remember what i was doing (laughs) same um <laughs> the earliest I can remember. Mm-hmm. Uh I was at my first duty station in North Carolina mm-hmm. and um started making all these like you know new friends around me. Right. And I think it was like my first weekend there and I get invited out to this house and they have a a bottle of ice one oh one, which of course is one oh one proof. Mm-hmm. And they call this the one-on-one challenge. And it's not really a challenge. It's like, it's a bad idea, just what it is. <laughs> um, so the idea, or the challenge, was that you had to, it was just the time of how fast you could kill this bottle. <sighs> and it was like, um, like you've ever seen like a normal bottle of Ciroc. It was like about that size. Yeah. Um, there were seven of us. And um, it took us approximately seven or eight minutes to kill this bottle. I Jesus. think I think it was about six or seven shots each. Jesus Christ! In in a matter of eight minutes, and um, yeah, that, that sounds was, like a trip to the hospital. <clears throat> uh, it should have been. <laughs> we started this like eight thirty. Right. Um, I was passed out by. 945. <laughs> um, and I was just like, all right, well, like, <clears throat> I can't say no. Like, I can't be a bitch now, right? right. So I'm like, all right, like, let's go. Let's do this. And uh, <laughs> it was a vodka. And I hate vodka. But I was like, all right, let's go. And uh, yeah, 945 came around and I was, <laughs> good night. Good night. Everyone else is up partying still. I'm just like, no. Did you at least get some cred? Um, like a little bit? Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it did work to a degree. Right. Um, I do remember coming back and oh, I think, uh, yeah, I think we woke up the next morning and uh, they're like, yeah, where'd you go? We thought you died. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I did. You guys just didn't know it. Right. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I stayed friends with them after that. So it must have well, worked to, uh, to some degree. <laughs> I got invited back the next weekend. Well, that's so. good. <laughs> I um, well, my, so mine is when I first met you guys, and like, oh, those are around the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I was uh, 
I think it might have been one of the first times I had actually met you. And it was like the whole group was together. At my house. At your house. There's a plastic folding table and a lot of booze. Yes. And I was still underage. And (laughs) and, we are going far back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I was still underage. But I wanted to look cool because you guys are all older than me by a couple years. So I was like, <laughs> girl, you got to step up. <laughs> and I Disclaimer, remember, you were over 18. I was over 18. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it wasn't, like, wasn't like. For those listening, she's showing me her ID right now. <laughs> just to make sure. Exactly. Tommy's right. I'm, I think I might have been. I think I was 19. Like almost 20. Right. At the time. Yeah. But you guys were all like at least 21. 24. Yeah. yeah. I think I was about 23. Yeah. Yeah, something about right. Something somewhere along Somewhere there. along those, yeah. But I wanted to be cool because I was like, I don't want to be like the <coughs> little kid, like whatever. <laughs> and I drank. I was like, I'm going to drink with them. I'm going to keep up. And I was sitting next to Jesse, who was also a big drinker at the time. He's calmed down <laughs> since then. He's calmed down So I was going like shot for shot with Jesse, who's a big man. Uh, yes, Jesse. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Jesse is quite the drinker. Yes. Uh, to go shot to shot with him is. It was rough. Um. A very admirable thing to do, but a very um, <laughs> not well thought out thing no. to do neither. I mean, I and like sitting that whole time, and I just remember standing up, and Sean and I were like very newly what? together. And he was like, "Can you can you walk to me, babe?" And I'm like, "I don't know the whole world sideways. It's it's a rough." I don't time. know what walk means. I don't know what walk means. It's like I took one step and it was like boom over. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But um, I, did, I did get a little bit of cred. You did. Afterwards. It was like, um, oh man, Becky's a champ. She just downed all that vodka. I was like, I'll never we drink thinking. vodka we like, again. I think it was while you were still sitting at the table and <laughs> me and I think Bill and I were talking and we were like, man, like she's like really drinking here. Like she's really going hard. <laughs> um, and then uh, a little bit later, you're uh, in the bathroom. We're like, ah, oh, there it is. <laughs> yep. We found it. We found a limit. Yeah. Sean had to like basically carry me to the car. <laughs> Could not walk in a straight line. It was bad. Um, <laughs> there was a time. It, this wasn't um, me trying to impress anyone. It was just a stupid drunken shenanigan. I'm so ready. Um, we were. This was in North Carolina. We were going out for friends 21st. And uh, we go to this one bar. They're having karaoke night. Always a great time. <laughs> so fast forward to the end of the night. So this same bar, uh, they do the same thing every every night where when it's around closing time, they uh, they played a song, Closing Time by yeah. Semisonic. Mm-hmm. Um, I can... This picks up everything. Yes. Like, I'm just doing this. I'm like, wow, I can really hear that. Wawa Coffee Cups, not sponsored. <laughs> not Right, not sponsored by Wawa, but please do sponsor Please do sponsor us. And, Call me. Hey, Wawa. <laughs> come on. Um, so closing time. So closing time. Yes. Uh, I'm drunk enough to where, I don't know, I know they do this every night where they play closing time, <laughs> but I think it's just part of karaoke. <laughs> um, even, even more stupid, like, you know your song doesn't start until you get out there and you're ready. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I don't know, I just hear a song start. And I'm like, oh my God, I can sing this. Yeah. So I go up to the microphone <laughs> and um, I just kind of grab it. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, hey, that's not even on. But I didn't register what he was saying. <laughs> I knew what he was saying. Right. But 
Not clicking. Right. Um, oh, mind you, this karaoke setup is on like an upper balcony. Like you have to go upstairs to get to it. Right. So um, I get up on the railing of the balcony to like start <laughs> no. wailing on this song. And um, and that's all that's really separate. Like there's a railing to keep you from falling onto the right. lower deck. And I'm standing on top of this railing. So there's nothing. And uh, there's you. nothing. I'm just standing there and wailing to the song with the mic not even on. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> as soon as I stand up, I mean, I look down at my friends and the corner of my eye catches yeah. like the bouncer walking from the entrance <laughs> in a direction, which I assume he's coming from me. So I'm like, all right, I should probably get down now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I turn around. There's these three people sitting at the table who I think were like the karaoke staff or friends and they're all like standing there like, what the hell? <laughs> like, hands over their mouths, eyes wide open, just shocked. completely shocked. Like, oh my <laughs> God. Like, And um, and I'm glad like they only did that instead of like, you know, trying to pull me down. Right. Yeah, you know, they're like, we think we were doing a stupid, we're not going to help you. Right. <laughs> uh, I start to walk downstairs and of course the bouncer's there and he's like, yeah, you, you, you gotta, gotta go. go. <laughs> um, we never got to go back because the bar actually closed down like two weeks after that. Oh. So we're like, all right, well, I guess that's our <laughs> our last memory of that place. I guess so. Me getting kicked out. <laughs> uh. Oh my god. I could go on. <laughs> I could fill the next hour with stupid stories that I've done. Um. So the last question, well, topic I will bring up. The music in this movie. Oh my so good. Um uh, it makes oh my me goodness. so mad that they don't know that the tunnel song is Heroes by David Bowie. That just irks my soul. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> um oh my goodness. So that is I'm glad we we I'm glad we're ending with this because this is like the most iconic scene. This is this is the iconic quote. Mm-hmm. Um Yes, Heroes by David Bowie. So they, there's a scene where this they are leaving. It's either they're leaving the game to go to the the restaurant, or after they're leaving the restaurant to go home. I can't remember which sequence this was. I think it's after the when they're leaving the party because I think Charlie is high when he says, "I feel infinite." Was it the party? I don't know. It's somewhere in there. They're driving. Right. All right. So there's, <laughs> they're leaving point A to go to point B uh-huh. and they're, they're driving along. Um, they get to this tunnel. Um, Sam hears the song on the radio. None of them can identify this song, but she loves it. She's like, Oh my God, like this is yeah. the song. And, uh, tells Patrick to, to turn it up. Now they're in this Patrick's pickup truck package. Patrick is driving. Sam is in the middle. Charlie's in the passenger seat. There is a uh, a sunroof that Sam gets up out of it, and she's just like, like kind of just like standing there. Yeah. Um, her head above the truck, going through the tunnel. Like the wind's hitting her, and her hair's flowing. Um, <laughs> majestic. Majestic, like just <laughs> Sam or I almost said Sam Watson. Um, Emma Watson <laughs> playing Sam. Yes. Um, just her beautiful self, arms spread eagle, and just like embracing this 
this song and the wind going through her hair and mm-hmm. just like everything about it. And Charlie is looking at her, looking at her in complete all. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam yells at Patrick to turn the song louder so that they can just like take it all in, I guess. And then, yeah, Charlie looks at her, looks at Patrick, and just blurts out, I feel infinite. Not yeah. blurts out, but very, very solemnly. Yeah. Just, I feel infinite. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I love this quote now. <laughs> I'm going to the tattoo parlor right, right now. Right now. <laughs> and, uh, and there's like so many... I've heard a few people that have had their own interpretation of what that quote meant. Yeah. Um, when I read it and when I, cause you, you read it and you kind of read it along with that scene mm-hmm. again, when you watch the movie and you can finally visualize or you see the, the scene visualized for you. Yeah. And, um, it was exactly what I thought it had already meant. Just like that moment where like everything just feels okay. Yeah. We're like, like just in that moment, like that moment alone, nothing else, nothing in the past, nothing in the future, just Mm -hmm. that particular moment in time where you're just like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, this is great. Yeah. This is like about the equivalent of, I don't know, you're at a concert, like, one of your favorite bands. And it's like one of your favorite songs from that band. And yeah. you're just like, I mean, you look at the band and you look at like everyone around you in the same venue. And you're like, this is amazing. You're like, this is the best night ever. Yeah. And, um, that's exactly what that meant. It just, it was just a moment in time. Yeah. So we're like, to you feel almost, okay. To feel okay. You feel invincible. You feel like you're on top of the world. Yeah. And you're like, this is awesome. Like, I hope this feeling never ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, sad boy. So it's going to end. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you worry. It's coming. <laughs> you sad will, boy spoiler. You will be sad again. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> I think there's something so, so, I mean, one in the movie, it's such a simple thing. Like, they're in a, like, a tunnel. That's it. That's. Right. Kind of, that's the only scene that's happening. But it's so, like, intimate because it's him and these new friends that he's found. And right. it's like a comfort. And then... Uh, he finally belongs somewhere. Yeah. And so now they're, you know, just driving down a tunnel. And part of me thinks that it's almost an after effect of seeing Sam up there kind of ve- being very free and being very much like I'm trusting the universe right now, and to have Charlie also kind of feel that way too. So I'm trying. There's one song that I can't quite picture. <laughs> um, oh, "Asleep" by The Smiths. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, that was. Um, I know this is a sad <clears throat> song, but it made me think of your eyes. Oh my god. <laughs> Ponytail Derek. <laughs> oh my god. Um so that was there's a few cases in point here. So where number one, oh my god, Derek's an absolute nerd in this. Yeah. He he makes uh he makes Charlie's sister a mixtape. Yeah. Which 
asleep is on this mixtape and this is like the one song that Charlie like like pokes his eyes to and he's mm-hmm. like, Oh man, all right, this is kinda good. <laughs> and um I think Candace is just like here. Like I yeah. don't really want this. He makes me one once a week. Like <laughs> yeah, it's like, fine. please have it. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> God. And um there's also this scene where Derek and Candace are arguing out front by the car. Mm-hmm. Derek strikes Candace once yeah. and um and she's just like, go, leave. Yeah. And then Charlie's just like, what was that? Yeah. Like, what was that about? And of course, Candace wants to like keep on the hush hush, don't tell mom, don't tell dad. Mm. And um and that kind of went along with uh that in the book or the movie itself didn't go along with the whole we accept love we think we deserve conversation, yeah. but uh it definitely falls under that because I do believe he stuck around for a little while longer. Yeah. Eventually they split, but thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. No more ponytail. No more ponytail, Derek. If um I don't know. I'm not a fan of ponytails, but uh <laughs> I mean if you're wearing it, you're rocking it, you like it, hey, yeah. do you. If um <laughs> not your fave. Yeah, not not my fave. Yeah. <laughs> At least for guys. I don't know. Like I don't really care what you wear, what you do, but yeah. my um particular stance i'm just not a fan of ponytails mm-hmm. i'm not a fan of man bonds i'm not a fan <laughs> of i don't know really any long flowy hairstyle about them mm. do you don't <laughs> listen to me um, um yeah i mean the music is just so good and oh yeah oh my god the song low by cracker yeah. <laughs> that came on i forgot oh man like the, i think that was when they were first at the house was when that song came in or yeah they're all at the house party uh-huh. um that whole house is introduced into this new scene and low just blares out at you and you're like <laughs> oh my god i love this song yeah very solid soundtrack very um definitely there's a lot of classic punk rock mixed in with a couple 90s songs in there yeah um and yeah. david bowie and david bowie <laughs> like and the song heroes oh so um, good like they I think that was such a perfect moment for that. And I don't believe that song that those three couldn't identify. It was never really identified in a book. No. So when it came to the movie, they kind of had like their own option to where like, what do we want this unidentified song to be? Right. And, um, 11 out of 10 choice. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, it was, it was cool that they had free range to kind of pick what they wanted. And, um, of course, I'm sure their whole thought process was it has to be as iconic as the scene itself. Yeah. Like this song choice is going to make or break this. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, you have the line, we could be heroes just for one day. Just for one day. I was literally and, just about to say that. I was like, how, how fitting of that, of like, right. we feel infinite. It's about this one moment this where we, moment, we feel free. This one day. Yeah. And that was it. That's what they felt like. They felt like mm-hmm. heroes for that day, for that moment in time. And yeah. I'm like, Cancel the rest of the movie. Yeah. Like we don't really <laughs> cut print. We're going home. Yeah. Like you don't really need the rest of this movie. Just cut it at that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. It was everything about it was just perfect. So like the timing, mm-hmm. uh, just everything. It was classic. It was amazing. Yeah. And uh, I might go watch it again after this. <laughs> I think you should. I think I should. <laughs> oh my god. That was that was cool. I mean, it's such an important movie, and. We have to wrap up now, unfortunately. Ah. 
I'll be happy to have you on anytime. We'll talk about more sad boy movies. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> please come back for the sad. <laughs> for the sad, um, maybe I'll disclose a few more alcoholic stories. <laughs> if we're lucky. If we're, if yeah. we're lucky. If I remember, <laughs> I will disclose. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for picking Thank you for having me. Movie. I'm glad we made this time. Yes. I'm glad we made this time. Yes. It's such a good time. Uh, do you want to plug anything? Like your um, Instagram or your Twitter. <laughs> um, not that there's much important stuff on there, but you know, <laughs> at Dylan D Y L A N for those of you other Dylans out there. Dylan underscore Pierce P I E R C E six four. That's uh that's the insta. Nice. Um my Twitter, just look up the flyers current record, and that's <laughs> what I keep changing it to. Um that's how I keep track. So yeah. <laughs> um yeah, find me there. Say hi, say hello. Say hi, say hello. If you want more um, sad boy recommendations, <laughs> movies, music, <laughs> stories, books. It's true. You're always posting some some good sad boy content. Oh, and some happy boy oh, content. Oh yeah, of course. You know you gotta you gotta mix it in. You know it can't be sad all the time. <laughs> need some diversity. God, yeah, you need right. You need to switch it up. <laughs> um, maybe I'll throw in some angry stuff in there. I don't know. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> right, we're gonna rage. Like, <laughs> uh, yes. Please well, come say hi. Yeah. Um. Thanks again for having me. Thank Beautiful you. Beautiful podcast. Here. I love this idea you have going on. Thank you. Um. If you're listening to this one, please listen to the others. Please say hi Aww. to Miss <laughs> Becky. Uh, tell her how much you love it. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Oh, sad boy, sweet boy. <laughs> sad boy, sweet boy. Sad sweet. <laughs> sweet sad. Well, Dylan, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, and we'll talk to you later. Yes. Bye, Bye friends. Bye. Another huge thanks to Dylan Pierce for coming on the show and talking about his favorite film, Perks of Being a Wallflower. This interview was so fun, and even revisiting it, it's so mind-blowingly wonderful to sit down with somebody I've known for so long and still continue to learn new things about them. I mean, between book recommendations, between sad boy movie recommendations, and an overall wonderful conversation. It just kind of warms my heart around the holiday season. As Dylan mentioned at the end of this episode, if you liked this episode, you can go ahead and go back to listen to episodes one through nine, which are wonderfully fabulous and would love to hear your thoughts about it. Or if you just cannot wait for more film content. You can always check us out on Instagram at scopophilia underscore podcast or on our TikTok at scopophilia the podcast. Also, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your family and friends about us because we'd love to hear what you think and what your favorite movies are as well. As always, I'm your host, Becky Teller, leading the millennial movie movement here on Scopophilia, and I will see you all next Friday. Bye!